Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is all theater. It's all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Day. The Gridiron Club is one of Washington's longest-standing journalism institutions. Founded in 1885, it is known for its annual dinner, a gathering of club members, fellow journalists, and Washington elites, presidents, cabinet members, governors, ambassadors, and so forth. This year, the dinner is still making news days later, continues to make the rounds on it, most of this stemming from former Vice President Mike Pence's headliner comments about the aftermath of the January 6th attack on the Capitol and his former boss, Donald Trump. For this edition of Political Theater, we're going to discuss the gridiron, its history, its mission, its traditions, and everything else you might want to know, but we're afraid to ask. And joining us to talk about the club is George Condon, who's the White House correspondent for National Journal, the former Washington bureau chief for Copley News, and the gridiron's historian. George, welcome to Political Theater, first time for you. Great, thank you. You, you left the most important thing out of my bio. Clevelander, uh, proud, to, proud Clevelander, right? <laughs> well, well, that too, but I used to submit stories that you edited. <laughs> yes. Uh, back, back at our National Journal days, uh, uh, George was uh, a big part of that, of that crew. It, was, it felt like a magical time, so, so magical that I can't shake some of the people. They, 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 we keep on running in the same yeah. circles, like our, like our friend Peter Cohn. And, well, that's because you still owe uh, well so, some of us money. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's, it's exactly right. That's that's a, a long time thing. I'm just, I just you can never outrace your past, especially for bad gambling gambling debts. Uh, but in all in all uh, seriousness, though, George, welcome. Uh, it's uh, I, I know you and I uh, are are frequent guests of Julie Mason uh, on her show. Right. Um, so we've we've always we've done this you know back and forth, but never with each other. So I'm very happy to have you on the show. Except she's never asked me to do a movie review. You get yeah. to do that. That's true. Well, I mean, but but you do get to talk about uh, you know designated hitter, uh, but before the the universal DH rule and things like that with her, you know, <laughs> all and and it, and basically anytime she wants to make fun of Cleveland, right? So we don't permit that. <laughs> um, so George, let's let's talk about let's talk about the gridiron. I think most people, when they hear about the gridiron, I mean, there are other gridiron clubs across the globe. But the the one in Washington uh, is is among sort of the most you know kind of curious of institutions. People uh, know about it sort of, but don't really know about it because it's a fairly you know it's a fairly exclusive place. Uh, and then every once once a year, you see people in white ties and tails, and they're not in a Sherlock Holmes movie. Uh, and and people wonder what's going on, and then you know it, it sort of goes by. So let's let's talk about you know a little bit about the history, and then get into the traditions before we start talking about what happened uh, for, for this uh, this year's edition of The Gridiron. 
Yeah, well, it, it, uh, as you mentioned, it started in 1885. It, it actually started at a time uh, when relations between uh, the press and, and public officials were at a awfully low uh, ebb. Uh, they were, they were you know, trying to arrest reporters covering uh, the Senate, uh, uh, threatening to put them in prison. Uh, you know, it, it flowed from after uh, Andrew Johnson's impeachment in 1868, uh, one, one of uh, Andrew Johnson's uh, people uh, wrote that uh, reporters are a scaly set of fellows, utterly <laughs> regardless of truth or moral principle. Now, are you sure that wasn't the uh, previous occupant of the White House that said that? That, that sounds very Trumpian to me. <laughs> I'm not sure he's ever said the word scaly. Scaly, that's true. Yeah. Scaly is a, uh, that's a very descriptive uh, right. w- way of referring to us. I guess enemy of the people just sort of cuts right to the chase, right? Right, right. And then things got worse. Uh, with You had the uh, railroad scandal, the credit mobilier scandal in 1872, and one of the points of starting Gridiron was to have dinners, and they were, you know, there was no TV or anything in those days, obviously, uh, and it would just be small dinners, and and you would bring together, uh, you know, senators and uh, and members of the press, uh, and and at the same time, you had an explosion of the number of reporters in town. Uh, in, in 1868, you had 58 reporters uh, covering the Senate. Uh, in, in four years, uh, that uh, doubled, or I mean, went up to almost 300, so from 58 to 300. And you had a lot of people who weren't really reporters. They were trying to get stock tips uh, at, at the White House. So you had these organizations start forming to professionalize reporters. And, and so you had the standing committee uh, in the House uh, to see who could cover the House. That was in 1880. Then you had the standing committee in the Senate, 1884. Then Gridiron in 1885. Then the National Press Club in 1908. And then the course, White House Correspondents Association, 1914. And all of those served to professionalize who would be a reporter who could cover things and what, how you would act as a reporter, and to improve relations, you had the gridiron. So that's that's a long-winded way of putting it in some perspective. No, and and it seems like it in in a in general. I mean, these organizations, you know, have also fulfilled those purposes. You know, like the and and, and again, like you know, full disclosure. I'm a member of the press club. I was formerly on on uh, you know the executive. Uh, committee of correspondence for the periodical gallery. You know, I'm in the White House Correspondence Association, as are you. Uh, I mean, but these these organizations have professionalized uh, the, the you know journalism over the course of the last century plus, and also they have improved relations between uh, the the you know the the administration, the Congress, and and journalism. Sometimes to the point where it it we we get a little criticism for being too close, right. uh, right. you know, to, to, uh, you know, whether it is appropriate to, to hobnob and, you know, get sloshed, you know, together, uh, yeah. <laughs> on, on a Saturday night, yeah. uh, you know, but, but in general though, it, it's, it's certainly better than people, 
you know, hating uh, one another and even, you know, sort of inflicting violence on one another. I mean, you know, the late 19th century was a violent time as well uh, for, you know, around around the capital. And and it, it's uh, we, we don't have, you know, those sort of outbursts between press and and members anymore. So in general, it's done, you know, sort of its 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 job in in making sure that people can at least talk to each other or break bread uh, with one another. And if you're, you know, gluten free, some other, you know, form of salad, break salad together. Yeah, and, um, so and, well, and and one of the things that's misunderstood about both Gridiron and the White House Correspondents Dinner is just because you sit down with somebody for dinner. And just because you laugh or make some jokes doesn't mean it's going to affect your coverage. Uh, it it helps the coverage in the sense that you get to know people and they might return your phone call. But nobody is going to stop covering uh, a, a good, juicy story because you had, had dinner. Uh, the one person who misunderstood that, even though he went to a lot of dinners, was Richard Nixon. He wrote a famous memo after uh, a very lengthy memo uh, after one of the correspondence dinners uh, where he it went on for, you know, a couple thousand words. Uh, he was so angry at how drunk he thought the reporters were and how they made fun, he thought of him. And he had to give awards to people who had written, uh, people like Woodward and Bernstein, who had written stories he didn't like. And he ordered his staff. Oh, well, and, and he and Agnew had performed a, a piano duet at the Gridiron Dinner, uh, setting aside the racial implications of what they played. Uh, he thought it would be a huge hit and there'd be good coverage after that. And, in, and he said, despite that, they still wrote negative stories. And he ordered his staff, never have me go to any of these dinners again in my presidency. What, uh, what was the song? Uh, that, that... Well, it uh, it ended in uh, the two of them playing Dixie ah. uh, to signify the, uh, the Southern strategy. Uh, and in the room... Uh, this was, you know, uh, Gridiron does not have a, a great racial uh, history. We were very slow to uh, to add women members and very slow to add uh, uh, our first African-American member and columnist Carl Rowan. And in the audience that night, when Nixon did the piano duet, there was one black attendee, one black guest, and he was livid at, at not just that they played Dixie, but that it was such a huge hit in the room. So let, let's actually, let's, let's talk about some of the, you know, the traditions of what happens at the dinner, because I mean, one of the things that is, it, it seems to be a part of every story that's ever written about the gridiron now is how the dress code is a uh, white tie and tails. It's one of the, one of these, you know, like, Things from another time, if you will, our uh, our, our our former colleague uh, Ben Terrace, who's now at the Washington Post, wrote at length uh, about this dinner about how you know some uh, you know Ant- Antony Blinken, who was the the uh, you know was representing the administration in one of the headliner uh, speech uh, speeches, uh, you know how he he had to <laughs> rent you know a, a white tie, and there was this run on white tie and tails at, at tuxedo rental places all around Washington. 
but you know that this you know like let, let's let's talk about some of these traditions about white tie and 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 so forth. Has there ever been one any consideration? Do people say like, oh, we should just have a regular tux or black tie? If it's good enough for Fred Astaire, <laughs> it should be good enough for us. Uh, no, of course there've been there there there've been discussions uh when uh FDR was president he absolutely hated white tie uh it was uncomfortable for him in his wheelchair uh and he he lobbied very vociferously but he uh it's one of the few times FDR's lobbying did not uh pay off uh i i think they went to to black tie during uh, World War II, uh, but uh, but they went right back to it. It's just it, it used to be we and the uh, Washington Opera were the only uh, two holdouts on white tie and tails, and now I think we're the only ones. Uh, uh, it's just it's 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 what it's always been, and there's there's no real mood to change it. Uh, it it wouldn't bother me if we changed it. Uh, I, I say hold out. It's it's a great uh, it, it's a great look for everybody. Um, you know your your uh, colleague now at uh, at National Journal, longtime Gannett guy uh, Ledge King. He uh, he 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 even went with the the top hat. Yeah, you can really you can really go. Uh, you know, you, you you can just do the rental, of course. But uh, I say go top hat cane. You know, uh, white gloves, maybe even, you know, go like everybody should go. uh, Feel free, I think, to go over the top on this. But Uh, that's how you dress on just a Tuesday at work, as I recall. Yes. Yeah. I just I come in, you know, in in my white tie. It's it's uh, I'm I'm inspired. (laughs) Uh, And then the skits, too. I mean, like there there is a full sort of review of of skits. Um, I mean, some of them have changed, you know, over the years. But this is a is typically a you know an opportunity to you know like sort of lampoon politicians, fellow journalists, uh, people in power, uh, you know, with songs and skits and so forth. Right. Well, one of the uh, gridiron rules is that the gridiron singes but doesn't burn. So you, you try not to go uh, too personal in the uh, in the songs. Uh, you, you've had. Uh, you know, Harold Ickes in the uh, Roosevelt administration uh, felt that it was so nasty and so cruel that he he said he wasn't coming back again. Uh, but uh, for the most part, uh, people take it pretty well. Uh, there was one song that Bill Clinton was was angry about, uh, but it turned out it wasn't the song. It was he didn't like who was singing it. Ah. Uh, uh, because he was somebody who had been on TV uh, criticizing him on the Monica Lewinsky uh, scandal. Uh, but you, you do one Republican skit, about seven songs, Democratic skit, about seven songs, and then there's an opener and a closer with one or two songs uh, each. So it's, it's, it's not bad. And and also just to, to note too that your new inductees are uh, required as part as part of the gig, part of the hazing ritual, if you will. Uh, they have to wear a ridiculous animal costume in some capacity that fits into the show. Right. Although that's not <laughs> quite as pronounced as before. We had the same costumer, a, a wonderful place in Baltimore, for a hundred and thirty years, uh, and unfortunately, the place 
did not survive the pandemic. Uh, and, you know, we, we had survived the flu pandemic, uh, but we didn't survive the, uh, the COVID uh, pandemic with the costume in place. So our costumes are not quite uh, as elaborate uh, as, as they were. And just to give people a sense, like, I mean, there are about 60 to 70 members at any one point, active members, people who are in the press. We're capped at 65. 65. And so, and these are, you know, in, you know, sort of back in the day for a long time, it was, it was bureau chiefs. It was primarily print. Uh, I I recall it was maybe about 10, 15 years ago, you started uh, letting in a few more broadcast journalists. uh, Well, well, actually our constitution had to be changed. And I, uh, when Al Hunt was, uh, was president and I was in a group with Al to force through a constitutional amendment to change it. And we had, uh, quite a bit of opposition because they thought the TV had everything else. TV controls the first row of the uh, briefing room at the white house TV, uh, you know, dictates everything. And, and this would be the last thing we wouldn't uh, let TV do. And some of us thought that was silly and didn't reflect reality. Cause after all, you know, the club was formed, uh, around the time of Marconi, uh, and you know, 30 years before TV, uh, 30 years before the first news magazine, it's, it was kind of silly to pretend that that was still, uh, the reality. So we did change it. And as it turns out that saved the club because, the heart of the club had been regional newspapers, uh, like the, my, my former uh, home with the San Diego Union Tribune. Those don't exist anymore. Uh, right. After 2008, 2009, you know, the number of regional bureaus just got uh, worse than decimated. It was, it was almost wiped out. So if we had not allowed TV, radio, and columnists and so on in, we wouldn't have a club. And and also you, there was a, a little history made beyond, um, you know, which which we'll we'll get to with the you know some of the comments on this time. But you entered, you initiated your first photojournalist also this year. Well, we we sort of we know it's a gamble. We're not <laughs> sure that pictures uh, are are gonna <laughs> stick around. Right. Uh, now, admittedly, when the club was formed, we could have elected Matthew Brady uh, as a member. Uh, but we didn't. So, yeah, I mean, and, you know, I guess, you know, back then, you, I guess you could have gone with like wood woodcutters, also woodcut artists and, and so forth. But uh, yes, yeah, so, yeah, I, I, I think photojournalism might stick around for a little while longer. So yeah, yeah, that, that's yeah. our gamble anyway. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about this evening. Um, I mean, it'd been, it'd been a while since, um, since I was, uh, since my last time at, at the gridiron um, that, uh, you know, was, I think it was back in 2010, um, you know, Bill Clinton was the headliner, uh, you know, it was a sort of, he, you know, was sort of reveling in, in, you know, kind of, uh, not having to run for anything. You know, I think yeah, one of his, 2009, yeah. he spoke for, yeah. uh, for Obama. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I think his, his line also was something along the lines of, uh, um, you know, miss me yet or something like that. <laughs> um, but uh, same same format. It starts with what's called the speech in the dark, uh, which is uh, uh, you know is is this sort of eerie feeling where you literally turn the lights off and and uh, the president of the 
of the club uh, gives introductory re remarks and you're in you're in the dark for about 10 15 minutes um and uh, with the the exception the with the the gridiron symbol you know in the back sort of lit up behind the president um and then you know you have your you have the skits and the headliners and you know the so the headliners this year the the Republican was was Mike Pence the former vice president the Democrat was Phil Murphy the current governor of New Jersey and then representing the administration uh, was Anthony Blinken the Secretary of State and you know it was all it, this is a roast right you know people people get people get roasted they have fun with the comments and so forth and you know again most people are in on the joke and then Pence made news by sort of departing from that, you know, the, the, the jokey joke kind of part and, and kind of gave Fox news without naming them specifically the business about trying to re um, you know, reorient the way January six went down. Of course, the vice president was in danger that day. Uh, and then said, you know, the, the sort of the walk-off kind of line that everybody has quoted is that uh, he does think that Donald Trump will uh, you know, will be held accountable by history. And it's interesting. The reaction, you know, is is one that you know this is it is news. You know, when when the vice president says or the former vice president says something like that, but then also you know it, it invites a lot of discussion about you know is this Pence trying to have it both ways and blah blah blah. Um, but like, what what were you, what was going through your mind? You know, when 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 you heard that because it was it, it got serious for for a few minutes there uh, with with those comments. Well, the the first thing it reminded you that reporters have a good ear. For news because when he switched from the humor to the serious parts i looked around the room and and you had reporters who were just laughing and listening before all of a sudden were taking notes and uh and tapping away in their uh, phones and so on and and people filed reports so you, you know there was there wasn't a reporter in the room who didn't know that some news uh was being made the, the second thing was I didn't think it was accidental that he chose Gridiron to do this because he knew that we are not televised. We do not permit television or radio uh, to cover it. Uh, so there was no video of him saying that to, to drive uh, Trump absolutely uh, bonkers. Uh, so he can now say, I said what had to be said, I said it, but there's no video. Uh, to be used against them in uh, in campaigns and so on. Yeah, it was it, it was it, it, you're right. There was this weird shift uh, in in the mood, and you know he he went first too. You know, so you know as, as far as the three headliners go, uh, and then Murphy followed, and 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 then Blinken. Um, but it, it was it was very it, there was a shift in the in the mood of the whole room, and and again, you know, like these this is a pretty. Um, I mean, there were what, about six, seven hundred people there, um, you know, all told with with uh, about 100 people of security details, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, because, you know, we had in addition to Blinken, William Burns, the CIA director, uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, the Homeland Security uh, secretary. You know, you had some ambassadors, some the, the just yeah, some governors, just just the line of people uh, of 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 well armed uh, security people. Uh, uh, representing different uh, parts of the the sort of security apparatus of no, the United I think, States. I think there were there were eight uh, or so ambassadors, including the uh, ambassador of Ukraine. Right. So yeah, heavily heavily guarded uh, place, if you will. Uh, but and so the you know again the I feel like sometimes the seriousness is 
is always there, you know, at, at, at these things because they are high profile events. Um, but this, this was, uh, uh, as, as the historian of, of the club, George, I mean, I'm sure this is more than just a, a footnote. This will probably be one of those, uh, episodes that you would highlight. Uh, oh, a, uh, oh absolutely. I mean, people are still talking about the 1907 <laughs> dinner. I know you just mentioned it the other day, uh, <laughs> but, uh where, uh, there had been an incident in Brownsville, Texas, uh, where a number of uh, black troops were uh, were quartered, and uh, there had been a, a shooting in town. Uh, some whites uh, hit, and one of the the worst episodes of the Teddy Roosevelt presidency was he fully blamed the uh, black troops, uh, and basically uh, court-martialed them and so on. And they were blameless. They did not do anything wrong. And a Republican senator in Ohio, Senator Joseph Foraker, uh, studied it, concluded that the uh, black troops were innocent and absolutely would not drop it and kept pushing it. And uh, they almost came to blows at the gridiron dinner where uh, where uh, Foraker uh, stood up and, and basically, uh, you know, repeated his belief that the, uh, the, the troops were, were being railroaded and were innocent. And, and President Roosevelt got up and just ripped into him and was steaming. It got to the point where they never served the main course in the dinner uh, because, the, you know, you can't serve while the president is talking and they, they wouldn't stop. And it was it was. It was pretty contentious. Then, then that was the uh, the one that the people remember uh, uh, the most. And one other thing, even before Pence got serious, he went after Trump in some of his jokes. Right. Uh, he uh, at one point said that uh, he heard that the classified documents were in uh, Trump's Bible. So he said that. That proved to me that he had never seen him. <laughs> yeah, there was, a, I think, another line too, where he's, you know, he was talking about leading a Bible study at the White House, and Trump, got, you know, stopped by and said that he was really, he was really into the uh, smiting and perishing of thine enemies. Yes. You know, uh, and there's uh, some good stuff in there. He said, "There's some good stuff in there, Mike." <laughs> well, George. Uh, Thank you for helping kind of demystify the club. I get, uh, you know, I mean, and again, I don't mean to demystify too much because a lot of these things are the reason that they're fun is because they're they're kind of mysterious and and they they're sort of cloaked in a in an aura. But I like uh, I like being able to to to, to talk to uh, to you know to people like you and who can sort of shed light on some of these institutions that make up the fabric and the culture of of Washington and politics. Uh, because sometimes they're they're taken for granted, like oh yeah, there's that thing, and then when when somebody asks, like, but I don't actually know what what it's all about. I know there might be something about a tie, white ties, or something like that. So thanks for walking through this because I think that it's uh, you know it's it's fun and and sort of gives us a sort of an inside look that uh, you know that that not everybody gets. Well, it it is fun, but the next time we do it, I do think it should be white tie and tails. Well, absolutely, and 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 that that might be the the way that uh, we kick off the video series, you know, uh, for for political theater. Your first uh, and last one, yeah. <laughs> yes. um, but thanks again, George, and uh, we, uh, you know, we, we've we'll, we'll have a 
have a lot to talk about uh, at a later date because you're also uh, uh, doing a history of the White House Correspondents Association dinner, and we've got that coming up. So we'll, we'll have we'll have you back to to talk about that uh, at, at some point. So sounds good. Thanks much, George, and thank you for listening out there, uh, for subscribing to Political Theater. If you like what you've heard, or even if you don't like what you've heard, please subscribe. Say nice things about us uh, so that we can keep doing these these kind of programs. Go to rollcall.com to subscribe to our newsletter, and we'll see you next time. 